Lord. You love him this morning? I wish you would really just, you love him this morning? If you could just think about all that God has done for you. I don't know how some of us can't worship him, can't praise him. I wish somebody would just get up on your feet. You don't need music, do you, to praise God? You don't need music to just tell God how much you love him, how good he's been to you, how much he's done for you. He saved you from the, from the miry clay. He, he took you from the grasp of the enemy and he, he gave you eternal life and you were not even worthy. The Bible says that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was still messed up in the world sinning, even right now while we're still sinners, he loves me. Tell somebody next to you, God loves you. Come on, high five your neighbor and say, God loves you. You got to get excited about this. God is all over your life. Tell somebody next to you, God has need of you. Come on, get excited. You may be seated in this place. Excuse us in this church if we allow the Holy Ghost to have his way. Turn with me in your Bibles to John the 14th chapter the 15th verse. I'm going to be giving to you today a very important topic. And I pray that you would really take what is given to you today and run with it. John 14, 15. And I'm, I'm going to, most of my verses today are coming from the amplified version of the Bible. You could bring me down in the house just a little bit, Manny. Just, uh, I'm going to be reading from the amplified version, which gives you more words, more explanation, more literal translation. So you might hear me say a couple of extra words and just say, that's all right. John 14, 15. Y'all ready for this? Tell the person next to you, get your seatbelt on. It's about to get real serious. I hope y'all, some of y'all came with your botas. It's about to get deep. The Bible says in John 14, 15, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. We can just go home now. Doesn't that just say everything? If you really loved me, if you would stop pretending to love me, if you would stop acting like you cared about God, if you would stop acting like you wanted eternal life and just really loved me, you would have no problem obeying my commands. You would have no problem staying away from sin. You would have no problem falling into the same issues over and over if you really loved me. In this scripture, Christ is speaking to his disciples concerning the things that are yet to come. He's speaking of them to them concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit at the appointed time. And the disciples are really confused and confounded as to why he has to leave them. And, and Jesus, knowing that his absence will be noticeable, he says, well, if you love me, I don't got to be in front of you to you to do the right thing. If you love me, you don't have to see me to obey me. If you love me, you don't need somebody to cheerlead you to be a Christian. If you love me, you would just do the right thing. If you love me, you would not cheat on me because we're engaged to Christ. He is our bride. If you loved me, you would do the right thing all the time. Tell somebody next to you, do you love them? Jesus revealed a fundamental truth in the scripture and I would challenge you today to grab a hold of what I'm about to give to you. What God has for you today, I promise you, will open your eyes to many things and it will help you in your everyday Christian walk. I believe that if we give a preaching on a Sunday that can't help you on a Monday, it was a waste of time. If all you're going to do is get excited, get overly spiritual, run around the church and have nothing to feed yourself on Monday, it's a waste of time. Jesus declared, if you love me, you will keep and obey my commands. This shows a key principle. Are you ready? Write this down if you're taking notes. Love and obedience are inseparable. You cannot have love and not have obedience. 
Can I tell you something? The greatest fight you will ever face in your life is the fight to obey. We all know the greatest enemy we will face is ourselves, but the greatest fight we will fight with ourselves is to obey God. The greatest thing you'll ever face, I promise you, is to obey God's word. Because everything we do contrary to God's word is sin. Many times the greatest enemy, as I said, is ourselves. But amongst ourselves, we struggle with doing the right thing. Is that not right? If you want to give this a title, we're talking about obedience. A part of you desires to do God's will. Somebody say amen. But there is another part of you that does not desire to do God's will. I, I said to the to the to the uh, to the, the Sunday school class this morning. I was talking to them and I was just telling them how how you don't see a lot of old people backsliding. It's always the young folks that backslide because they got trouble obeying God. The old folks got it down to a T. They went through all the things you went through and made a decision. They used to sing a song when I was a kid. I have decided. To follow Jesus. Remember that? No turning back. Remember that? We used to sit in our classroom with our little tambourine. I have decided to follow. I have decided. And then you get real back. No turning back. No turning back. You ever, see, the old folk got this down to a T. But some of us young Christians, and maybe you're old, but you're a young Christian. You're having this obedience issue. From the pastor on down to the ministers on down to the ushers, the greeters, we struggle with obeying God's word. Sin is awesome. Make no mistake about it. The Bible tells you sin is great, but it leads to death. Sin is pleasurable for only a season. We struggle with obedience in every aspect of our life. You ran the red light because you had no need to stop. You wanted to keep on going, and your need to get somewhere was greater than your need to obey the law. But Romans, the book of Romans, the 13th chapter, tells us that we should obey all the laws of the land. You see, you see, many of us would, would litter and throw garbage down the street, no problem. No problem, because our need was greater than obeying the law. You with me today? Obedience. To tell your neighbor, obedience. You know, I was, I was somewhere the other day, and I was picking someone up. Person is not a Christian, and um, and they were getting into the back of my car, and I had just taken a bunch of bottles and stuff and thrown it into this bag, and I put it in the back of my car because I was getting ready to throw it out when I got to a garbage can, and they opened the door and said, "Oh, is this garbage?" I said, "Yeah." They go, oh, "I'll take care of it." They took the bag, and mind you, their house is as far as that wall is from me, and there's a garbage can where that guitar is, and they took the bag and just flung it into the middle of the street. It hopped in the car. There's no obedience in us. How many of us talk on our cell phones, text while we drive? I'm guilty of it sometimes. Because your need to have a conversation overrides the safety of the people around you. How many of us break the speed limit every day? Because your need for speed overrides the law for safety. You, you follow me today? Every day you fight this, this struggle of obedience. Every day you fight with, with, with hearing God's word, hearing God's voice, doing what God desires. Every day, can somebody be honest, we fight with that demon of just the, that, that hateful, argumentative attitude spirit. We have an attitude problem because we're not obedient to the word of God, Philippians 2. 
Your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, Pastor Carmen. They, they don't understand that. And they're not obedient. Are you with me today? I know it's Mother's Day. I'm not going to keep you, but you have to understand this today. Obedience is an issue. How many of you as children had obedience issues with your parents, with your teachers? Why are the school systems out of control? Why? Because kids don't obey teachers. We can talk about scriptures and stuff. We can talk about this, holy, this, this overly holy stuff, but let's talk about everyday Christian living. I'm struggling with obedience. I'm struggling with listening to God. What good is it to understand the Ark of the Covenant if you can't even understand how to obey God's word? Let's talk everyday Christian living. Are you struggling with obeying God? How many of you have sin in your life? Raise your hand. Then you're struggling to obey God. We have to understand. You know what to do, but you never obey God's word. You know, Pastor Carmen ignited this thought in me months ago. She put this thought in me. I shared it with some of you on a Wednesday night. She put this thought inside of my heart because there was a child on a Sunday afternoon who was disobeying and being really just rambunctious in the church, just being confrontational. A little kid just belligerent. Ain't nothing worse than a little kid with a mouth. Makes you not want to have kids. And so I said to this kid in a very reprimanding voice, I said, what is your problem? You never listen. And I was in the foyer and Pastor Carmen was leaving the church and she, she said very nonchalantly something that just really, really echoed in my heart. Oh, they listen, they just don't obey. We listen on Sunday mornings, we just don't obey. Because our ideas are better. We listen to the songs and we sing them too, but we don't obey them. We come to church to wonder how it makes us feel. Because I want the Holy Ghost and I want to catch the Holy Church isn't about you. That's what we don't realize. Don't you realize Sunday is about you coming to give worship? Do all that religious stuff all week long. Because church on Sunday is not about God touching you. It's you touching God. I wish you would grab a hold of this today. You want to get real? Read the Bible. Oh, God touched me today in service. Great. That's awesome. But only God can touch you if you touch him first. Is this making sense to you? We have this thought process that I want the Holy Spirit to fall on me today. No. No, no, no. I want me to fall on God today so he can transfer the Holy Spirit to me. Why did, why did revival come on the day of Pentecost? Because they sat there and praised God. They honored God. It wasn't about how he made them feel and then he empowered them. If you come to church to feel good, to release something, you're, you're, you're on the wrong track. You have six days for that. God only asked you for one day. Isn't that awesome? How unselfish of him is that? I only want one day. I only want that one day. You have all week long to make yourself feel good. Just the one day. Somebody say one day. Love and obedience is inseparable. Many times you find yourself yelling at your children. Parents, somebody just be honest. And you wonder in your head, why can't they get it through their thick skull that what I told them to do? They're listening, but they have an issue with obedience. Because we love God, we should obey. Love prompts you to do amazing things, amen? How many have ever been in love? And everybody around you said, you're acting different. Well, yes, I am, because now I'm in love. And love causes you to change. Love, anybody with me? If you're not changing, then you're not in love. I'm just, for those of you who are engaged like myself, or those of you who are married, if you didn't change when you found love, then you got some issues. Certain things weren't acceptable. Certain things weren't kosher no more. And you obeyed the better wishes of your better half, right? 
You said, you know what? I don't agree with you, but I'll, I'll do it to suffice you. I'll do it to make you feel better. Obedience comes from love. Love prompts many things, but love and obedience, you cannot separate. You can't say you love God, but never obey him. John 14, 15, if you love me, if you really love me, you will obey my commands. I would challenge many of us today that because we love God, we should desire change. If I can beat the devil of not obeying God, we can just deal with obedience and submission as Christians. We would find real victory if we can deal with that obedience and submission. Submission deals with your attitude, your mindset. Obedience deals with your actions. You with me? Everybody there? I would challenge many of us today are doing godly things but still not obeying God. Many of us do godly things but don't obey God. God wants you here, but you're too busy singing over there. God wants you doing this, but you felt in, I'm weary. And I say it a thousand times, I'm weary of pastors, ministers, deacons, elders, Christians who start a sentence off with, I feel God telling, I don't care what you feel. I want to know what God feels, but I feel God. You got to be careful with what you feel. Because what you feel might not be God. You have to test the spirit by the spirit. And if you've been doing something so long and have no fruits, it was not God. Jonah could have simply told the, told the people on the boat, well, I felt God told me to go here. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Preach. He said no. He turns around, hops on a boat, goes in the opposite direction. A huge storm breaks out on the ship and, and the oceans. People are about to die. And he could have just said, well, I felt God told me to go this way. How many of you have been going through some stuff in your life? Anybody, just, is it just me? They're going through some issues? I mean, I mean, everybody goes through. Let me tell you something. If you're not going through something, you're not a threat to the devil. If you're not going through something, you are no threat. He's not trying to stop you. Now, if you can trace back what you are going through to actions you've taken or have not taken, that's not God. Many times, we, we, we claim that God desires to be glorified in our struggle. Now, I understand Romans 8.28 declares that, that we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God. Amen? If you love God, everything will always work together for you. It does not mean, though, that everything you are going through is God trying to test you. It could mean that you put yourself in some hell. Somebody say amen. You put yourself in some bad situations. You put yourself in some bad predicaments. And God said, well, I'm going to have to save you out of this one again. You know, I had a thought the other day that we can't keep acting like the world but have the church as my home address. That just don't work. You can't act like the devil but say you live with Jesus. How is that right? Because when a parent sees a child acting wrong, they say, as long as you live in my household, you're going to live by my rules. We want the devil's rules living in God's house. You have to understand that God needs you to be holy. God needs you to be righteous. God needs you to be not overly spiritual. So, so heavenly minded, the Bible says, you're no earthly good. God does not desire you to be against your brothers, against your sisters, against your leaders. God desires unity. God desires that you would have a true heart after him and that you would have a true love for him. Because if you loved him, you would obey him. Not everything you're going through is because God is testing you. Many things that we're going through is that we're simply reaping a harvest of that of which we've already sowed. Somebody say amen. Doing the right thing. Listen, at the wrong time can make you lose much more than just your life. 
You can do the right thing at the wrong time. Anybody need an example? Read your Bible during praise and worship. Right thing, wrong time. Text while in church. Texting's not bad. The right thing to do. Not in church. Going to work. Texting while you're driving. You're doing the right thing by driving. Wrong time to text. You can do the right thing at the wrong time. And I would challenge many of us, we busy ourselves with spiritual things and we miss the destiny God had for us, searching for the knowledge to get the destiny. Anybody just pick that up? So many times we, we're trying to read what God said, we're missing what he's saying in the preachings. We're trying to, trying to really dive into something deep, but God says, don't be so deep. Because deep didn't change the world. Love did, and love is very simple. Love is very simple, and love prompts obedience. It was the, it was the prophet Samuel who, who told the king Saul, because God ordered Saul to kill everything in this camp when he went to battle. Saul decided not to do it and to give God a sacrifice. Samuel said, God doesn't want a sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. First Samuel, check it out. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Your obedience to God is better than you sacrificing. Obedience to the will of God in your life is better than you sacrificing your time for this, sacrificing your time for that. God says be obedient to what I've given you, to what I'm telling you. You know when it's gone, when something agrees with your spirit and you hear from a person you don't want to hear it from? That's God. Well, I don't think God would tell me to do that. Well, you don't have to do it, but I'm telling you what, what I know that God has put in my spirit to tell you. I've faced that many times. A couple months later, you were right. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So if love and obedience cannot be separated, check this out now. Obedience always brings victory. Isn't that awesome? Obedience always brings victory. So if obedience brings victory, disobedience creates defeat. But when you obey God, he will never let you fall. Joshua chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. I will paraphrase for the sake of time. Moses just died. Israel's in the desert. Joshua took command, had an encounter with God. And then God is about to give him a battle plan to fight, to take over that city, Jericho. Could you imagine this now? He's sitting down praying. You know what God tells him? I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, put it in the front. Get some priests with trumpets. They can blow while you walk around with all the army, but don't say a thing. And do it for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times and then just shout. I would have been so upset. That's your plan? Anybody? We like to sit there and think, well, I would just be, amen, I'm going to do it, Lord. That's not true. That's not true. We can't even get small things right. Joshua saw God do 10 plagues. He saw God deliver them from the Red Sea. He saw God do many things. And still a million and a half people died in the desert because they couldn't see God after he did all that. I would have thought he was going to give me a new weapon, more armies, like, you know, just something, something. He said, just walk around. Walk around. The book of Joshua is a book for soldiers. Soldiers who are willing. It's, it's a book of battles. People who are willing to win God's way, not their own. You have to be willing in life to win God's way, not your own. And so he did that thing in Joshua 6.20. When the trumpets sounded, the people shouted. At the sound of the trumpets, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so every man charged in and took the city. 
Obedience brings victory. The entire book of Joshua, every victory, listen, read it. If you do that kind of stuff, crazy, read the Bible, who thought? If you do that, read the book of Joshua, and you will see every victory they had was because of obedience. And every loss he had was because of someone's disobedience. If you take a note, you want to write that obedience brings the victory. I could walk up to you and many of you, and because, you know, I, I sit here and I talk about these scriptures as if we're supposed to know them. I can speak to you about Abraham, Isaac, and maybe, maybe even Jacob. And the truth be told, many of you would not know who they are. Because obedience to, to hear the word of God, to read it, does not saturate in our spirits. Christians today want to extract all the nutrients out of the word of God, but never digest it. You want all the benefits of God, but never the core belief of God. You don't want that deep-seated thought. You want everything that everyone else has. As I heard one preacher say, as if life was just one big Burger King, have it your way. That's the world. God says, you're going to have a hamburger like this and that's that. He says, okay, Lord. Take it medium well. Do you understand this? I'm a, I don't want to preach it. I want to talk to you today. Sometimes we get, we get I, I went to a service and I said to the preacher, when did the, when did the service ever get about how you ended? When did the word of God become about how you close out your preaching and get everybody to jump up and turn around and dance and, and then you just, when, when did it get to that point? That you can never just talk to somebody and talk sense into somebody. When did it get to the point that we were just so overly concerned with music and so overly concerned with so many things that track the world instead of realizing there is so much truth in the Bible. If you would simply speak to someone, it would bring them in. Keeping it simple works, amen? You have to understand, obedience brings victory. I've been through a lot of stuff in life. I've seen many things, but where I'm at is because I have been obedient. I could be in a better place, but I haven't been totally obedient. So you can't desire what I have. I, I might have to preach that old message that you don't know what I've been through. Don't judge my praise. You don't, you don't know what I'm going through to sit there and say, I want to be like that. Or you see somebody preaching and you, I want to preach. You don't know what it took to get that message out. You don't know what the hell I had to go through to get that out of me. You don't know how much disobedience I had to go through and suffer the consequences to understand I need to obey. Or you can sit there and say, oh, but I knew I had to obey from the beginning. But it's not till you go through something that you understand something. As I heard one preacher say, and it really messed me up this week, some of you think that preachers preach fire because they're on fire for God. And what you don't realize, it's just the furnace that spit them out. And flames of the hell they've been going through, it's still all over them. You don't understand this kind of stuff, that, that people are going through stuff. And when they preach the word of God, it's because of what they've been through. So you can't want to be where somebody is at unless you're willing to fight the battles they've been through and be obedient to God. How many of you want spiritual freedom in your life? I know some of you in this place today, you waver every day whether God exists or not. And you say, I wish I could just understand like the pastor. Well, then go through what I've been through and then you'll understand like me. But if you back up and coward yourself out every time a battle comes, you will never have spiritual freedom. Isn't that true? How many of you, I couldn't be the only one who got tired of being double-minded. Anybody with me? Got tired of thinking God is and God's not. 
God loves me today. He don't. Why am I going through so much and my life is so pitiful and, and I'm just going, I don't get it. I don't get it. I know he's there, but maybe he's not there the way the Bible says and maybe this. Doesn't anybody get tired of being double-minded? Oh, I love my church, but I don't like so many people in my church and I just this and this and that and I'm going to go back to my old lifestyle, my old ways, my old people. Don't you, you're double-minded. Just, uh, just me? Is it just me? Is it just Maybe I should just preach to myself. I got a mayor up here. Lori, we have a mayor in the building? Something? Is it just me? How many of you know we are some double-minded people? You love somebody the next day. And how could you love somebody so much and then just not want to talk to them? That's double James 1, chapter 8, or verse 8. You should not be double-minded because you're unstable in all your ways. Double-minded folks can't even pay their bills on time. Guilty. Do you get what I'm saying? When you're double-minded, you go through everything in life and you just can't handle things. One minute you're up, the next minute you're down. Your, your, your mood is based on the weather. You picking this up? Because why? Why? What is the basis of every sin? Disobedience. This is powerful. You can understand this. How many of you dislike disobedient people? So what do you look like to God? How many of you have seen, I went, to, I went to Home Depot one day, and there was this little white boy. I want this, Mom. She said, no. She's busy ringing out. This little punk hauled off and took a magazine, rolled it up, and popped his mother. And I thought to myself, I would wring your neck. Anybody ever seen something crazy like that? What you made you feel? How'd that, you ever seen some disrespectful kid throwing a tantrum because he couldn't get a candy bar? Anybody been there? That's how you are to God when he don't give you what you want. I love walking you into a trap. Oh, God, I'm so depressed. I wanted that house. I wanted that car. That was my man. I don't understand, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, don't you get over yourself acting like a spoiled brat in the supermarket of life. But why did I only lose two pounds this week? I'm not going to diet no more, God. Yes, yes, no, no. Why couldn't I gain two pounds this month, God? Am I lying? We're so fickle, so double-minded, so despoiled. And the problem is, God blessed you so much, you just became familiar with it, and you can't appreciate it no more. I love watching some of you folks during praise and worship. When you first came to church, you were all over the place, and now you just, because you got familiar with the presence of God. Nothing's changed but you. Nothing's changed but you. You come in here and praise God on your condition of your attitude that day. Oh, we are some fickle people. Don't feel bad about yourself today. You're not alone. We all suck sometimes. Isn't it the truth? I love just saying the real truth. If we were just honest to ourselves, we're just some disobedient, spoiled, little rotten children, and we don't get our way. Oh, God's testing me. No, he just said no. Everything, he, he, he. Just, that's only in text messages. I never heard somebody laugh, he, he, he. <laughs> he, he, he. Who is that? Oh, he, he, he. (laughs) 
I'm saying today? Not about that, about the obedience. If you really loved me, he said, if you really loved me, I mean loved me with all your heart, with all of your heart, with everything. Emma, you know, Heather, come here for a second. I, I didn't plan this, but you know, they're, to me, they're, they're well, the cutest little couple ever. Not just because they're different races either. I'm just... <clears throat> Emma, when Heather asked you to do something, would you just smack her? Why? Because you love her? How much do you love her? What would you do for her? What would you not do for her? How about that? You would do anything, right? I think, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think Emma is one of the greatest young men that I know. So, you're telling me that when her back is turned, you wouldn't check out some other girl? What is it, what is it you tell her? The only way out of this relationship is either I die or I kill you, one of the two. I heard him say this the other day, and it was kind of funny, but it's kind of true what men should think. I don't see women. I only see you, babe. They're like the, the, the perfect little couple. Doesn't mean they don't argue, don't have their issues. I'm not putting you out there. But would you, would you look at another guy? Would you cheat on your husband? Why? So why do Christians cheat on God if they love him? Anybody get this? So when true love comes in, because they have a, they have a, your love is gross. Hey, I love you, babe. I love you too. It's so cute, but it's just like, Bleh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can sit down. I just want to, but you, when I first met them, they were just like so in love, but they're more in love now. You ever seen a couple that's just so lovey-dovey? Not nasty lovey, like, but just, you know, lovey-dovey. Elsie, you know what I'm talking about, girl, right? You know, just, just a couple that just loves each other. It's genuine. They don't got to fake it. Ain't nothing worse than somebody faking it. I ain't going to fake it. If I'm mad at her, I'm mad at her. Right, babe? Just, if, we, if we upset, we upset. Anybody here today? I think this, one of the best husbands in the world, Ivan. Ivan's like the nicest, sweetest guy in the world. And, and you know, as I'm preparing to get married and be on lockdown and end my life, I look to these young men because they're not stubborn with their wives. They're not rash with their women. They're not disrespectful. Even when they're upset, I highly doubt they would yell curse at them. They would talk to them in a monotone voice, if anything. And they would not go crazy and beat their wives and not care how they feel. But why are we so fickle with God? Love prompts you to do amazing things. Love makes you do things you thought you could never do. Is that not right? When you find that love, you would do amazing things. I look at my cousin Yvonne and all that she's been through with her fiancé, Louis. They faced death together. And it, it really just solidified the love. And she, they'll have moments where, yeah, they can't stand each other. Everybody has those moments. But love made her stay there while he was in the hospital and she would, she would help him in the bathroom or whatever it was and she would do things that nobody would do for him because love prompts you to do amazing things and I bet you if you asked her a year before if she would do that for anybody she'd say, no, not me get under my nails and no, I'm not helping nobody in the bathroom but love just prompts you to do things 
Love is a powerful thing, and love makes you obey things. Read this verse with me. Deuteronomy 30, 15. I'm almost done. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and his laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Why would God bless us in that verse? Because we obeyed him. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Obedience blesses my future. This is powerful. He said, I will bless the land you're about to go into. I will bless the house you're about to buy. I will bless the wife you're about to marry. I will bless the relationship you're about to go into. I will bless, if you would just obey me. How many of you single folk looking for somebody? No? Manny? Manny, you're the only single guy looking for a wife. Some of you single men, this, this gentleman here, Minister Jose is like, woohoo. Single, ready to mingle. Any of you guys, just, you, you're good? You're okay? Just, you're fine? You want somebody, something? I mean, you're looking for something. If you would just obey God, he would bless that path you're on. If you would just obey God, he would bless that path you are on. You got to understand this. Do you mean to tell me, God, that all I have to do is listen to what you say and you will bless everywhere I go? Yes. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that just mind-boggling, unforgettable, unthinkable that God wants to bless my future? Oh, my goodness. We have this mindset that God wants to just like, keep me down, keep me beaten. No. No, 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 no. God wants to bless you. The Bible says in Psalms about 122 times, God he, he, he actually enjoys blessing his people. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to be broke. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Deuteronomy 18, God has given you the ability to create wealth. Isn't that amazing? Break every, every thought process you have. God wants you to be blessed. How do you get blessed? By being obedient. Obedience is the foundation of all the blessings of God. Disobedience is the foundation of every sin in the world. Disobedience. Disobedience. The word dis, die, die. In Greek it means two. Obedience to two. This cannot be. Dis, die, obedience. 1 Peter 1, 14. Live as children of obedience to God. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance. When you do not know the requirements of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? The apostle says, don't be like you used to be. Don't act how you used to act. You're a new creation. Don't hang out with who you used to hang out with. Don't be around that crowd you used to be around because they will drag you down. They will keep you back. They will hold you and never let you go. The world, you have to understand something. The devil plays for keeps. He's not here to give you back to God. Obedience gives you the blessings of God. If you live in that new mindset, I have two more for you. Obedience brings divine protection. Somebody say amen. amen. Psalms 91.11. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve in you all the ways of obedience and service. God wants to protect you. The Bible says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Want to hear something pretty cool? That God wants you to rest in his shadow, but God is a moving God, and you must move to stay in his shadow. If somebody was following me, they have to move with me to stay in my shadow. You can't stay in the same place. God does not desire you to be in the same issues, the same problems, the same hurts. You got to move with the shadow. When God runs, you run. When God stays still, you just stay still. But you got to rest in the shadow of God, and he will protect you if you to keep his decrees if you keep his laws the bible says
Obedience brings divine protection. Check this out. Now, obedience tells the world who you serve. Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of him whom you obey, whether it be sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness, right doing and right standing with God. The apostle Paul says something powerful. If you sin, you're obeying the devil, that's your master. If you don't sin, you obey God, that's your master. Now, how many of us have daily sin in our life? We come to church once a week, who's your master? Some of you, by the end of today, if, if, if we understand that Jesus said, uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If we understand that, and then we understand we don't obey his commands, what does that mean? That you don't really love God the way you think you do. You should write that down in your notes. Do I love God the way I think I do? The last one I have for you, obedience changes history. Romans 5, 19. But just as by one man's disobedience failing to hear, heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous and made acceptable to God. What is he talking about? Adam and Jesus. Adam disobeyed, made the whole world sinners. Jesus obeyed and took sin away. Simple. Adam sinned, brought sin in. Jesus obeyed, brought sin out. That makes sense? Very elementary for you today. Very. So, if Jesus obeyed God and changed the course of history, what will your obedience do? I would challenge you that much of history is not being changed because of a lack of obedience in the church. Imagine if Abraham wasn't faithful. Imagine if Jacob didn't want God to bless him. Imagine if Joseph slept with Potiphar's wife and didn't run from evil and shun it. What history would look like then if Jesus sinned and fell and we would have no righteousness? If you obey God, you can change the course of history. If you would obey God, you think of yourself in such a minuscule manner. When God sees you as such a potential. I've said it a thousand times and I'll tell you again. Many of us will die with potential. Many of us will die on the threshold of doing something awesome. Many of us will pass along to eternity and we might make it to heaven. But we wouldn't have fulfilled the purpose God has for us. The devil doesn't want you to be obedient to God. You should write that in your notes. What history can I change in my life? What history can I change in my family? Of generational curses. What history can I change in my city? What history can I change in my nation? Is it too much to think that you have the potential to change the world around you? But I would challenge you today. If you would obey God and heed his voice. Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice. Abraham was a man of God because he was obedient and he was honored. David was obedient to God's word and he wasn't a perfect man. We know he was a murderer, a liar, an adulterer, but God used him. Jesus obeyed the Father and changed the world. And Paul, he obeyed God and he wrote most of the New Testament. Why? Because they obeyed God. If you take anything away from today, I want you to understand that you should develop a a concept in your mind of being obedient to the Lord God. Many times I would challenge you, we're like that child that I reprimanded in the hallway. That we hear God, we listen to God, but we don't obey God. How many of us are struggling with new sins? 
Not many of us, we struggle with the same old sins. Why? Because we listen to God, but never obey God. Only through following what God says and God did can we learn to live a good Christian life. My goal in life is not just to live a good Christian life, but to live an impactful life. To be able to impact lives and come in contact with individuals who are changed and transformed by God because of the God they see in me. Many of us talk about God to people, but they can't see God in us. And we wonder why they won't come to church with you because they don't see God in you. But if they could see God in you, I realize that I can change the world around you through one simple thing, and that's obedience. That's obedience. Come on, stand with me. I want you to realize that living a good life doesn't mean you're living a God life. And that simple obedience to God, simple obedience, somebody say simple obedience can change the world around me. Isn't that powerful? By just not doing things your way, you can change the world around you. By just listening to God's voice, you can change the world around you. By just doing what God desires, you can change the world around you. How many of you know your family needs touching from God? Maybe a cousin, a sister, an aunt, a brother, a mother, a father, a cousin, anything, an aunt. Where's the answer? It's just you being obedient to God and you can change the world around you. When the world sees truth, when the world sees what you have, when the world sees true change in your heart, Man, there's something different about Carla. There's something different about Emma. There's something different about, about these people. That, what is it? And they will attract to you. Come on, let me head by the eye closed. If that's your prayer this morning, that you would like God to help you, just your simple obedience. Through everything you face, the, the biggest fight you will ever face in your life, matter of fact, the only fight you will ever face in your life is to be obedient to God. Come on, if that's you, just lift your hands. I, we want to pray together this morning. Yeah, God, I, I just want to be obedient to you. Thank you, thank you. God, I want that obedient life, Father God. Holy Spirit, we just want to be obedient to your word today, Father God. Understanding of you, God. Understanding of your word. John 14, 15 says so clearly, if you really loved me, if you really loved me, you would obey my commands. Come on, if that's you, I'll give you a second. If that's you, just raise your hand. And say, God, that's me, Pastor. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to live that obedient lifestyle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm tired of my own ways. I'm tired of my own attitude. I'm tired of it. I want to live God's way. God's way. God's way. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come in agreement with my brothers, with my sisters. And I declare now that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I declare now that I will walk in obedience to your ways. Father, forgive me for everything that I do against your will. But guide me now into your way, to your will, and to your heart. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to listen to something and I'll have communion today.